We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded and pay our respects to Elders past, present and Aboriginal Elders emerging. The Vale Podcast, driven by Pioneer Ford Robinvale. It's worth the drive. Sure is. They're sponsoring us for another month, Charlie. Yes, good on your Pioneer Ford. Hey, I took their Endura for a drive, the one that's similar to yours. Mm-hmm. Good little car. You should buy one. It'd be good uh, if you will say like a politician uh, <laughs> driving from you know little town to little town. Speaking of which, geez, good segue. Know, You're getting I very know, good, I'm at really good at this. <laughs> we have you've been a guest once on this podcast before, but not for a long while. We have Peter Walsh, member for Murray Plains, Victorian leader of the National Party. Charlie, he's here to have a word with you. It's a it's a big name, big name, leader of the National Party. He's a mate of my old man. It's not that big to me. <laughs> I was going to say, the Vale podcast got that big. We'll have Dan Andrews on here soon. Well, while she did ring me to request that he come, come on, but he did say, and I will <laughs> I will quote you on this, oh, we in Robinvale on Thursday afternoon. How about we do your blog thing? <laughs> do you mean the podcast, Walshie? <laughs> How so, are you? I'm very well, thank you very well. And Sit a little bit closer to the microphone. And I would have thought, Jade, you've been a councillor for a couple of years. Mm. Why haven't you got your road fixed? Well, I don't want to have my road. And I saw some commentary on Facebook from community members the other day about roads being like highways out the front of councillor houses. So I just leave it alone. I put in the request once every 12 months for it to be graded. And you know what? At the end of the day, I drive a Land Cruiser, so it can cope. You know, it's only when I got in the got in the loan car the other day. Not to say it's not a good car. I feel like you're not talking up the Ford Enduro. Oh, no, it's a beautiful car. I got in and Peyton loved it. But do you want their sponsorship for another month? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, how it's good was it? It'd be good on car. dirt tracks. You know what I am sold on, though, and this could be a turning the point. The seat warmers and the seat coolers. No, I've got them. Oh. Is the technology and the connectivity oh. that the other car brands don't do. Ford do that probably the best out of any of them. They do. They do. Yeah. Well. And it's really responsive and mm. great. What kind of car does a national party endorse? What kind of cars do you uh, drive? Not I, endorse. I drive a Hyundai. Do you? Yeah. Oh, that's right. You've got one of those IMAX things, haven't you? Santa Fe. Are they still making Santa Fe's? Absolutely. Oh. Just got a new one last week. Did you? Where'd you get that from? Piney Ford. Yep. Oh, cool. Oh, Wait. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a second-hand one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Holt's yeah. Holtz Holtz yeah, right. in Swan Hill. In Swan Hill. Yeah. Uh, I got asked today where you reside these days. In Swan Hill. You do are in Swan Hill? I am in Swan Hill, yes. Your office is in Achuca, though, isn't My it? My office is in Achuca. Where <laughs> does – it's going to sound really ignorant, but um, where does Murray Plains – so the Murray Plains electorate effectively starts at Woodward, yeah. north of Swan Hill, near, near Nyer, and runs all the way down to Undira, which is in the city of Shepparton. Mm. Oh, okay. It's big then, isn't it? It's, it's massive. It's, lo- it's long, Jade. Yeah, mm. yeah. Very and, long. And then to the south, effectively bought Pyramid Hill, Rochester. Yeah. Undira pub, do you get there much? No. Oh, you should. Good, good pub. Sp- good spot. Yeah, great spot. Good palmy. Just FYI. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you, you're one of these ones that, that do the palmy. The palmy Everywhere we go. It, wherever I go. And potato cakes. Right. I'm well aware of where the best potato cakes are in country Victoria. So where are they? Pie Angle. Are they really? Yep. It used to, it was a close battle between the Robinvale Golf Club, who have since changed their supplier, um, and the Pie Angle Roadhouse, and it's now Pie Angle Roadhouse, and hands down. Oh, because we're going to the golf club after this. So are you? That means potato cakes are off the menu. No, oh. but the salmon is exceptional. Don't eat salmon. Oh, why not? I don't eat salmon either. Don't you? Too fishy. Oh. Too, <laughs> too, 
No, it's too got far, that too far from the sea yeah. up here. Well, that's fair enough. But the it's Japanese shopping. restaurant in Swan Hill does great sushi. It does for somewhere that's so true. far inland. That's true. Let's talk about why you're here now, Charlie. <clears throat> for the last, <laughs> oh, it creates a lump in my throat. For the last six months, has been hashtag standby Dan. No, I not don't know, don't know. No, I look. I'm not. I know he's done stuff that's not legit. You do. You are now. What's your take on the hotel inquiry? Uh, I can't recall. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a businessman in the eighties saying exactly those words, uh, and that's what it was, was Alan Bond, I yeah. think, and um, Christopher Skates. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I'd love to tell you, but I just can't recall, Jane. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just gone for the moment. <laughs> yes, that was a shocking. Uh, well. A performance on his part. Did you ha- did you swallow your words a little bit, or at least concede defeat? I don't. I don't like. I'm not a staunch. Like I don't like get up and say "woo, let's go" kind of thing. But I think I think seriously, seriously, Jay. Mm. If there was a rail accident, if there was a high rise building that collapsed and killed 760 people, mm. there would be hell to pay. Uh, and this is no different in reality. That. Uh, the fact that no one knows who made the decision, I find amazing. Given that the, the premier is a control freak, mm. everything that happens in that government, he has a finger in. Uh, he would have made that decision himself, in my personal view. And there must be a contract somewhere that is signed that employs. You know, we spent eighty million dollars or something on the private security guards. There must be a contract. And there must be a signature on it. Mm. Follow the money. Mm-hmm. You're, Follow you're, the paper trail. Exactly. And people have been banging on about how much of a leader he is. Well, I'm sorry. If you're a leader, you stand up and take responsibility. Regardless or whether or not you sign the contract, you're the one that's accountable. Don't you think that this is a massive lack of leadership? It, it is an absolute fundamental tenet of our Westminster systems of government mm. that the ministers are responsible. Mm. And the minister should take responsibility. And yes, the pre- the, the, pre- no, the, the premier has said, "Yes, the buck stops with me," but the buck hasn't he hasn't done anything about the buck. No, the buck's still rolling but, by the yeah, look of it. Yeah. But what outcome would you be after? Would you want him sacked? Is that what you want? I or? believe he should be. Mm. Yeah, I, I think he should stand out. As I just said, if if seven hundred and sixty people got killed somewhere because of a, a, a government failure, yeah, there would be hell to pay. Mm. This is. All those people that tragically lost their lives, all those families now, all those families that couldn't be with them in their last days, all those families that couldn't attend their funeral because of COVID restrictions, they want they want someone to be held accountable for what's happened to their families, their loved ones. And, and at this stage... There's no one. There's no one. Mm. Uh, and if it had happened in one big catastrophic event, uh, it would have been a lot more than the insidious creeping that we've seen. So what do you have to say to that, Charlie? Hey, I'm not here to defend the Labor Party. Oh, my God. So for the last six weeks, the, and maybe not say, when I have the, the record button on, but think, you fly off the handle at me, you do, and I knew this would happen and this is great and I'm glad we're recording it. So <laughs> here we go. get some popcorn and settle back, people, because <laughs> we're in for one hell of a ride. <laughs> I, I feel like I don't fly off the handle. If anyone, you know. Okay, I fly off the handle because yes. you bait me, but that's yes. fine. 
and I'm not flying off the handle. I'm talking normally. I'm yeah. Italian. You know that. Yeah. I don't have an inside voice. Well, you're part Italian. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, but that's the part that I that takes responsibility for all Being of my out. my yeah. shortcomings. <laughs> so in and, and it's no good looking at hypotheticals and how things might have been done differently. But I have been asked if the coalition were in government at the moment, how do you think it would have been handled differently in five different points? Uh, first of all, I don't believe that we would have used contract security companies to do the hotel quarantine. Mm-hmm. So I think the offer was there for the armed forces. The armed forces have a command structure. They have discipline. They know how to make things happen. You, we would have used the armed forces. There's mm-hmm. no argument about that, taking up the offer straight away. They actually don't cost the state any money. The col- oh, really? The Commonwealth yeah, Act. everyone knows that. The, I didn't know that. The Commonwealth actually pays their wages, yep. feeds them, looks after them, whatever. So instead of tens of millions of dollars on contract security guys, you could have had the army there mm. uh, and would not have cost any money and, as I said, got a command structure. And it's like the people on the bridge. Yeah, I thought there was some sort of state contribution, but well, that's the, interesting. The, well, the state contribution was actually paying for the hotels. Right, okay. Gotcha. And, 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 the, and the security guards. Mm. The, the, the Prime Minister offered the ADF, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't say you've got to pay for them. So you would have used those systems mm-hmm. uh, and, and if that had worked, as it did in other states, you wouldn't have had the second wave. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the, the first one. Mm-hmm. I think as as time has evolved, uh, what we've been saying is we should have started to open Victoria up postcode by postcode. So you would know there is a number of local government areas in Victoria that have not had any COVID for the whole pandemic mm-hmm. uh, and where we are now you probably haven't had Swan Hill Rural City hasn't had any COVID for probably a month or six weeks. Well if we're going no, postcodes three five four nine hasn't had a single one. So why 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 aren't our kids at school? Exactly. Uh, why aren't our businesses open? Mm-hmm. Uh, so again we have some flexibility around how you understand the issues of lockdowns right at the start mm-hmm. because no one knew what we we're gonna have. Mm. So you need to make sure you do that. But then as, as you learn more, uh, and part of that would have been actually having the resources in the contact tracing because not only did it escape from the um, quarantine hotels, our, as has been proven by the Coates Inquiry and the evidence, our contact tracing was not up to scratch mm-hmm. uh, and they couldn't track it. So that made it even worse again. So those three things, the army, the lockdown, the contact tracing... Uh, and the other part of failure in our contact tracing is it's actually all centralised in Melbourne, where, as I understand it, New South Wales have got a decentralised contact tracing. So the great example here in Victoria was Colac, where the Australian Lamb Company, uh, from workers coming and going from Melbourne, got COVID into Colac, into the Australian Lamb Company. DHHS were never seen there. It was actually the local hospital, local government, local people actually managed it within the town themselves mm. uh, and stamped it out. Yeah. It can be done if you've actually got the locals involved. And that's the thing, and that was my argument a few weeks ago, and you and I had this discussion. There's no better contact tracing source in regional places, Victoria, where it doesn't matter where you are, than the Bush Telegraph. Mm. As so, and we've seen that in Swan Hill and Mildura. If DHHS report that there's a case, within three and a half minutes, you know exactly who it is, where they've been, where they work and where they are now. And that doesn't come from DHHS. That just comes from being a small local community. And if you try to do that from Melbourne. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. It just doesn't so, work. So mm. very, very different way you'd actually manage it. And, 
and hindsight is a great is a great vision. Mm. Um, so I suppose we're all sitting here talking with the the um, the, 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 wis- yeah. the wisdom of hindsight, but there are some fundamentals in how you manage these things that I think were actually overlooked. Mm. And and the, and the whole the whole thing about the COVID eight. So our system of government is cabinet, parliament, proper processes. All the proper processes were bypassed for that small group that's been running the state effectively for six months. Mm-hmm. When you get down and centralise power that much, it's not a healthy thing for a democracy. Yeah. So this brings me to a question when you're talking about the processes uh, that someone just asked me before. Uh, is it time to have a look at the way we're governed? As in, should we get rid of – are we over-governed? Well, in this case, we haven't been governed at all, Charlie. Well, that's what I mean. So if, <clears throat> if uh, the federal government is looking after – Health and education, which I think they should be, that takes it out of the hands of the states. Well, but it, it, I actually don't agree because if you're going to centralise health from Canberra, you're going to have even more issues than running it from Melbourne because it's even f- further removed from reality. Mm. I look, don't think look, the, the failures weren't around our systems of government. Yeah. The failures were around that the Premier and his, his eight members at subcommittee of Cabinet actually bypassed all the normal government processes that meant the scrutiny wasn't there for these decisions. But I was just looking at, like, you know how the whole, like, it's it's been, like, kind of state against state kind of thing, and Victorians, we've been treated like the lepers of Australia because we can't go anywhere. Well, it, like, um, if this, un- but unfortunately we are. We are, yeah. yeah. I know, because but we, we had But COVID. we shouldn't be, like, not in regional Victoria. No, I, no, I agree. I agree, but because Melbourne the way it was, and if I was... If I was Gladys, if I was a New South Wales Premier or the South Australian Premier, I would be very nervous about just allowing people to yeah, come, across. come across because they have, they have a responsibility to their people. I, I think it was taken to the extreme. I think the, the cheap shot Daniel Andrews took at South Australia about, well, why would you want to go there? I, th- I think it was – no, I, yeah, we, all, we, we laugh, and, but it, it was a pretty dumb thing yeah. to say. Yeah, it was. The pandemic, yeah. uh, when people are concerned. Pe- people have been – Really worried for their personal health and safety, particularly those in the in the vulnerable categories, those that, that have some pre, well, pre-existing health conditions. Or, or uh, you look at Mildura for, like the, all the health professionals and specialists. Most of them come from Adelaide these days, mm. even though we're in Victoria. But Adelaide's a lot closer, and most of the visiting health professionals they'll they'll come from Adelaide. So, and there's just been heaps of stuff like the orthodontists. There's been oh, cardiac stuff that just hasn't been happening because. They're not coming here, and we can't go there. Kind Orthopedic of surgeries, but, yep. But again, if you if you'd started opening up post postcode by postcode effectively, or local government area by local government area, mm. based on the, the the number of cases or the lack thereof, and the premier had said Mildura's opened up because it's free, that mm. sends a signal to the South Australian premier. Well, I can let them in because the Victorian government's got faith it's free. Mm. Or I can let their medical professionals in and they can come home without the need to quarantine so because again, there's no... that's why if the health department was run federally, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be easier to, to do yeah. rather than dealing with state and state I, and... I, I'm, I, but I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in decentralising decision-making and power mm. is not centralising. Yeah. So if you say, yeah, it's simpler, just have it all in Canberra, I'm not sure the people of Canberra actually that run the system will make better decisions on our behalf than someone that Well, no. it'd have to be a, a complete total restructure. Like it wouldn't be – like it'd have to be like a combination of local government and state government be doing stuff that they do and then health but, and but, education. But, but health is actually run by the states. Mm. Yeah, but that's what I mean. But health and education should be run federally so we get across, – across Australia, everyone's treated the same. 
But I don't think it can be the same because, again, and I think I agree with Walshy here, decentralising as much as we can is much, much better for flexibility because we know that running something like health or education or whatever it is from an office and planning schemes are a really good example. If you have that centralised to somewhere like Melbourne and you have it blanketed across the whole state, Planning schemes are not the same. That What fits for Melbourne doesn't fit for up here, and that's where we're running into trouble right now. So I don't think, I don't think giving more to the Commonwealth is, is the answer. So I think, if, if, you know, we all have trouble with issues in our communities. Those so-and-sos in Melbourne don't understand what <laughs> goes on. How would it be taking that same argument to Canberra and someone's making decisions about Robinvale and they're making decisions about no, but I'm talking t- about t- broad t- Tully in in North Queensland. I'm talking about broad, like broadly, like just the, the health system, like it should be run. Like what part of the health system though? That's a very broad. Well, you'd have to restructure everything, as in local government and state government would have to combine somehow to do something, and nope. you get rid of that. Why? Why do you keep saying local? Well, <laughs> we've got a new local government act that's just come in, and. It, to me, it looks, it feels like. That's almost what's happening. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't have read it, so it's, it's going to be a hard conversation to have. But it feels like from, from a local government perspective, the changes that have been made takes less of the decision-making from us even more so than we have now. Does that make sense? And it doesn't – it makes us feel almost irrelevant and it will probably – the next 12 months will be really interesting having gone from that old system where we could do X, Y and Z – you know, giving 30 days with notices and things. Now every decision that we make has to have, and this is just the community consultation part of it, has to have so much more input from the community, has to have so much more information and transparency. And transparency is not a bad thing, don't get me wrong at all, but I just think that there's a real push at the moment for that to happen. But I don't, again, I don't think that that's a wise move either because Local government is the one that's closest to the community and we're the ones that they come to if they're even if the issue is state or federally governed, we're the ones that they come to to seek the answers for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so but, but Charlie, if, if the people that are making decisions actually are personally or their family or their rallies are, are impacted by those decisions and they talk to them. Yeah, regularly, well they see Jay down the street, yeah. Well, right, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you you get a lot better decision yeah. making and a lot more accountability if it's someone that just goes to work in a building in Canberra that's making all those decisions that has no understanding of the impact they're having, mm. you don't necessarily get the – that's why the closer the decision-making is to the to the people and the impacts it has, uh, I think is better. Mm. That's why I wouldn't centralise power more. I'd decentralise it. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree. Yeah. Mm. Oh. that. Do you want – do you want <laughs> – No, that's all right. Do you, do you want <laughs> – yeah, person one three five seven in Canberra yeah. making all the decisions for Robinvale. Yeah, no, yeah. you don't. Canberra is more removed from reality than the rest of Australia, anyway. But you know, I'm not talking about local issues. I'm talking about like, but, the but it would become local issues if you were to centralise things like health and education, which are very local, locally provided. Then it does become a local issue because you've got local people involved that are affected, and local families that are involved that are affected. And you would have seen that with the privatisation of the Melbourne, the Mildura Base Hospital. Mm. Doesn't work. No, it doesn't. No. Anyway. So we won you over, mate. 
Uh, we're getting there. I have, to, I have to look into it a bit. So this is a bit tagged. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm starting color. to feel sorry for you. Yeah, yeah, no, we're, ta- we're tagged. I'll just go sit in the corner and I'm not, I'm not feeling... With the forward. <laughs> you can do that later. On another subject, um, and I'm going to go back to planning schemes, and this is a subject I never thought I'd get so passionate about in my life, but... We do have an issue with that centralised model that we've got right now, particularly in the regions. What is the scope for, and this might be a, a, an election promise for the next election, but having a more regionally flexible planning scheme available for country Victoria? Because at the moment it just doesn't work. It hamstrings us in so many ways. But, but one of the... One of the key challenges you have in planning mm. is the regional office in Bendigo. Yeah, because it's in Bendigo. Well, it's it's in Bendigo and it may or may not be the personalities that work in that office and how they interpret um, various parts of the Planning Act. Mm. Doesn't, doesn't the state of Victoria, isn't, doesn't it finish at Bendigo, Ballarat, doesn't that, where it finishes? Yeah, it ends, uh, <laughs> it ends at the freeway. Well, well, well Jay and I probably think that, but mm. if, we, if we stood with Dan, I'm not sure we'd say that, Jay. No, no, I see it a lot as well in every walk of life. <laughs> you're right, but I just, there's got to be room to move, and you're right, interpretations, and I interpret, and I've seen this a lot, I interpret the planning scheme and have a different perspective on it than other councillors, for example, and then again. But shouldn't there be work being made for more flexibility in farming areas and in agricultural areas? Uh, well, well, yes, but it's not just about farming and agriculture. No. It's, it's around the perimeter of our regional towns. Mm. Um, we want more population here. Mm-hmm. If, if there is demand for rural living, for argument's sake, why don't we have it? Correct. Uh, you know, you've got the case in the Swan Rural City with Naya. Mm-hmm. All the old blockies, mm-hmm. uh, changes in agriculture, not viable to be a little fruit block anymore. Mm-hmm. But as I understand it, if there were some changes there, the planning scheme, there is the demand for rural living. And we've got and e- that would reinvent that community. That's right. And we've got exactly that here in Robinvale as well at Malay Road. Same thing. It's not um, – it's dewatered land – it won't be big enough to farm again. It won't be viable, let's put it that way. But I know that the owner of that land would love to subdivide it, subdivide it for rural lifestyle blocks, which when COVID is over, we'll have people leaving the city wanting rural lifestyle living blocks. I agree. So if we can't provide that, then Robinvale and farming areas like Robinvale, and we're not unique in this situation, we're going to miss out on that entire entire boom that could be a boom in the real estate industry and a boom in our population. So the the next time a census is done, the census would actually read that we are a lot more populated than we are, hopefully, if Mm. we could house the population. And and you'll create the work with the building industry and all the things that are associated with that. So Mm. I agree 100% that the the state principles, it needs to be state principles, but they need to give the flexibility for local development. Otherwise, you're stifling it. Yes. And, and, And that's it. I think example again where someone that lives in a regional city doesn't necessarily understand what happens outside that regional city. No. Even when you do bring them here and show them and go, wouldn't this land be beautiful? It's on the river. Can we do this? No. No. Why? Exactly why. Did you ask that question? Yep. I always ask. I always come back to why, Walshy. And what was the answer? I didn't get an answer because it's against the planning scheme. You just can't. It's against the planning scheme. But 
you can you could request the minister to actually call it in. Mm. I it, I think we went there and again with actual well, and I don't know whether this is a token gesture, but there's a questionnaire out now for growers and people in regional areas that indicate that they've. Oh, it's a they've, consultative. Uh, it's a consult exactly. <laughs> it's a consultative thing yeah. asking about flexibility. Blah blah blah. I don't know whether it's a token gesture, but but um, but, but within the our political system. Mm. If the system is failing you, that's mm. the role of the respective minister, in this case the Minister for Planning, mm. to actually get involved. Mm. So one of the other cities in my electorate, there was an issue for four years and held up a new supermarket mm-hmm. development. Woolworths had got to the stage they were going to pull out. Uh, it was just getting ridiculous. Mm. Uh, and I went and saw the minister and it's taken probably six weeks, but and and I think some really serious head banging from the minister's office into the department. Yeah, to actually get it signed off. Yeah, because it was exactly like you're saying. It was stopping development, um, crazy nitpicking over little yeah little clauses that don't mean anything. Yeah, but it's in Mildura. They've getting, they're getting away with it now. Well, like I've noticed that towards like Orimple that way there there is little subdivisions happening all over the shop. Well, they've got the ability to make planning decisions back. They lost that for a long time. Yeah. Mm. It's only just come back to council. Was it 20 years or so they lost? Yeah. So, but you know, if if it's part of Swan Rural City's strategic plan for Robinvale, mm. you should have some say in how it's actually done. Correct. Exactly. Next point. Let's Next talk point. about refugees. refugees. Yeah. Now, oh, do you want to say? No, you go. No, well, uh, with the refugee thing, I think Jay's got on the board there. Mm. Um, and, well, th- we've talked about this before, about uh, where refugees are housed and getting them into local communities. So my idea, and it's kind of Jay's idea as well, but stop me if I'm wrong. I wrote a letter to Julie Bishop about this years ago. What? What's the stop? <laughs> I'm a nerd. Um, well... We house them now on Manus Island and where we are. What's to stop us from setting up something in rural Victoria or well, in the region? There's very few, if any, over there now. Yeah, and there's none there now. There was one family, I think. Yeah, like, they, understand what you're saying. No, but my yeah. idea is to, so they integrate into, commu- into the community. They're not locked up. They're obviously got a report mm. in, in at some stage or every night, whatever. But they're integrated into the community where they can go out, say, in Rumbell. Be part of the community, like you know, go to the footy when we can go to the footy, and well, be part of Australia kind of thing instead of being pushed aside to some kind of island and saying stop the boats. Yeah, I think it's more of a pathway to permanent residency is what we're looking for, and we've seen the success with this in Robinvale in particular. Um, and recently, we had Abdul on who was uh, from Afghanistan, and his story is fascinating. We had him on last year, um, and it's taken him nine years. He was uh, he came out on a boat. Half of that was on a jet ski from Thailand. It has taken him nine years to get his family out, but his family are here now and thriving. And he's a great worker. Um, you know, his brother is also here with his son, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, and this is a f- more federal question. I know that there's a, a Commonwealth Parliamentary Committee about this at the moment, but Charlie's right. So resettling um, refugees in regional areas to also help with the labour issue that's going to be, again, a really big issue this year. And that's not to say we want them to stay here to just be on the farm, but, you know, for while their visas get processed, instead of them with been on some kind of, well, detention centre and suffering all the mental health issues they have and just treated pretty poorly, 
Why not have him here and integrate him into society before? Well, I, think, I think Charlie, I think we've moved on from the detention centres because mm. they're not there anymore. But I think yeah. your question is still valid in those that are in Australia now mm. need to be able to work and actually make a meaningful contribution to supporting their families and, mm. and being part of our community that some of the employment conditions that are on certain visa categories and stuff are, are wrong. They're, yeah. they're here. And mm. then fingers crossed, hopefully that stay here. And, and, yeah. and, and let's face it, most of us were came here one time over the last couple yeah. of hundred years mm. and made a contribution. Go, go back to the Second World War, we have the Snowy Mountain Scheme because of the displaced people that came out of Europe that went there and did that. Mm. Um, so I, I don't see any reason why they can't be... So how do we get it to happen? It, it is a federal issue, which I'm not... We done. have a chat with Anne. <laughs> we oh, we'll yeah, well, next week. Uh, yeah, but I think there is ways you can make it happen. There's some people that are talking about having an amnesty. I don't, mm. I don't believe you'll see that happen because it sends some wrong signals. To oh, no, I still want the process to happen, but mm. while they're going through the process and be here and... Be part yeah. of it, yeah. like mm. be part of the community. Oh, and, and we all know examples like Abdul. Abdul. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I just think that pathway, even if it is, you know, having to work, go out into the regions and work in agriculture, at the moment I think it's five years, the bridging visa. There is a, a I think it's a TP visa or I can't remember, um, but it's four or five years and then the issue is that they might go back to the city we make that longer so that they're putting down roots here and help them establish themselves. Five years is a long time, though. Five years is a long time, yeah. 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 If, if five years, if they brought their family out, they mm. got embedded in the community. I think but that's the issue, though, because it takes so long for get, them to get that permanent residency and then so long for them to get a visa for their family to come out. Like, it has been nearly 10 years for, for Abdul, for example. And I use him as an example because it's a it's it's a good story and it's not a unique one. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, five years is, is a long time, but sometimes it's not long enough to establish that. So maybe that's something that needs to be looked at. But, again, it's a, it is a federal issue. But, but so. I think mm. there's a bit of onus on the community too, being welcoming to them when they are here. Yes, correct. And, and if they are, they I feel like Robert Bell is a yeah. perfect place. Yeah. Because yeah. well, we're already so multicultural as it is. Yeah. 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 So if, they, if, they, if they, they feel welcome, they feel mm. safe. They're going to stay. Yeah. yeah. And that was the the big thing that hit home with me when Abdul's um, children arrived. His eldest daughter said, this is paradise. And now to you or me or whoever might go, well, I could think of, other, you know, some other places that might be more like paradise, you know, on a white sandy beach somewhere. But to them, because of what they've been living under in somewhere like Pakistan and still being um, political prisoner, prisoners really in Pakistan – then it is paradise. They get out here and they can walk down the street without the fear of being shot and killed. And that's essentially what it comes down to. Yep. So we, they, we, we actually don't realise how lucky we are compared to no. a lot of people. In the yeah, world. as much no. as people on Facebook uh, might believe, we're not under a dictatorship. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know. No, I have to get that one in there. <laughs> I, I, Charlie, I think that one just, just sunk all hands, I think. <laughs> That's it. Um, now, I was going to talk to you about the environmental water. We talk, we've spoken to the golf club a couple of times, and this is going to be a real issue, particularly for Victorian clubs and associations that need to usually buy water but can't at the moment because their cash flow stopped. What can we do about this? Because the idea that I had, I floated, It's it was a notice of motion in council and it's been, a letter's been sent off. The response has been the same old. Well, the environmental water's for the environment. Yeah, but I, but I think the the 
the environment has the decision makers around the environment have lost sight of what yeah. the environment is. Correct. Tell me a golf club is not yeah. part of the environment and the arbitorium, for example, that the golf club creates and the vista as you drive in. Yeah, but, but it, it, the environment is actually about community. Mm. It's about people. It's about everything. It's not the exclusivity of putting a fence around something and never touching it. So mm-hmm. we, I think the environmental debate in Australia and probably in other parts of the world has gone too far one way. Mm-hmm. But also you're talking about overflow water. You're not talking about no. taking water off them. This is Correct. I, like I, I agree with you. Like it's overflow water and mm. like it's not being used. Mm. So. But there's there's no point in having water run down the river to South At Australia. Mm-hmm. Why Robinvale yeah. suffers. They won't let us go there. They can't have our water. <laughs> well, yeah, and that, but, and that's the thing. If they're carrying so much over, and we're not even saying give us all of that carryover from last year, we're saying, you know what, 500 gig might be enough. But one of the, the great things that was done when they built the Wimmeramalee Pipeline mm. was they actually made an allocation for recreational water. Mm. So, And they've also got a system in their Grampians Wimmeramalee Water in their billing process where there's a charge per household, which I think from memory was $16 a household. Yep. That actually helps subsidise the price of that water for tennis clubs, bowls clubs, yep. football clubs, mm-hmm. uh, because they realised, and they, they did a lot of community consultation, they realised that if you didn't have community, you didn't have anything. That's right. Well, the, have you been past, past tennis club lately? Yeah. It's looking pretty dry. It's dead almost. Mm. So are they out of water? I'd say so. I would dare say so. Although they're talking about tennis coming back in the next couple of weeks, but yeah, well, they probably. I think the top bays have been sorry, the bottom bays have been watered, so mm. maybe they'll just restrict the amount of courts they can use. Yeah, they, I, so. I'd say they're going to have to, because again, Robin, but this is not a unique situation. No, no. But it goes right back to what we we're talking about at the start. Yeah, about community. Yep, exactly, and looking after the community. Yep, health and well-being. Correct. Shouldn't it always come back to, to that? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm just going to keep going, why not? Because I've learned if I nag long enough, sometimes I get what I want. You are a lot like your father, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't nag. <laughs> what does he call it? Ask a lot of questions. You know, he doesn't call it naggy. Well, he does say, yeah, I'll just ask a lot of questions. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, Peter, uh, yes. you've got 25 months until the next election. <laughs> yes. Are you going to ask Fred's question? Yeah, he told yeah. me to ask. Okay. I'm, I'm transparent. All right. Uh, a caller, well, a listener, wanted to know uh, what's your plan uh, for the next 25 months. So we – sorry, not we, so you. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you've come on board. <laughs> I was going to say, it's we now. <laughs> I'm glad you've come on board, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't even finish your question. Can I finish his question? Yeah, Can well, I give it as Fred said it? What are you going to do over the next 25 months? Well, I think the first thing – and a lot of people – don't like the negativity of politics, but mm. I think we have to point out the failings. Mm. As we talked right at the start of this about the hotel quarantine and all those things, so what I think the longer-term worry is that there is billions and billions of dollars being spent in Melbourne on projects that are billions and billions of dollars over budget mm. and we can't get the Murray Basin Rail project finished for argument's sake. So yeah. Being spent in Melbourne or under Melbourne. Under Melbourne. Mm-hmm. So I suppose the – Point out the failings because people mm. won't look to an alternative unless they realise what's there is not doing a good job. Yep. So we have a responsibility to point out the failings in it and then we have a responsibility to put forward what our vision would be to do it differently. Yep. So we know from a mem- our Member of Parliament's leading a party that just 
covers regional Victoria, mm. we need to make sure that that COVID investment, that COVID recovery investment actually goes out into regional Victoria as well, that we all know projects mm-hmm. that should be happening to that will have a real long-term benefit to our community, mm-hmm. whether it be Murray Basin Rail, whether it be some roads, whether it be fixing the planning scheme. I, mm. I had this discussion with someone recently I actually don't think it has to be all government money. I think mm. if we actually change some of the red tape, some of the green tape, and dare I say it, even some of the cult- cultural heritage tape mm. that is holding back development, mm. uh, there is a lot of money in private enterprise that will do the things that will actually make the community a better place. Absolutely. And if it's made easier for them be- yep. so we can cut that red tape, then absolutely it will happen. I, I, it defies logic to me as to why you guys can't, or you have trouble building a road because you might have to cut a couple of trees down. Mm-hmm. But the government, be it federal or state, spends hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for the environmental benefit. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to go and pay a fortune and offsets to fix a road? That's exactly right. So I, I think there just needs to be a whole mindset change mm. on how we actually free up the opportunities for private investment, uh, not to trash the environment, actually enhance the environment. Mm. Go overseas. Look at it. Look at the great national parks around the world. Yeah, they have some great tourist facilities there mm-hmm. that are privately owned mm-hmm. that attract visitors. You know, hundreds of thousands of visitors. What do we do with our national mm-hmm. parks? We lock them up. Yep. We make it hard to get in there. The facilities are pretty basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but you could yeah. For those who've travelled overseas, go to Yosemite. Go to Yellowstone oh. National Park. See what's there, yeah, and see how that how that they actually enhance that experience. For mm. We've got no idea here, no. and we stop everyone from doing stuff. So, yes, got some government investment uh, to get the economy going post COVID, but I actually think the simplest thing we can do is just actually take away a lot of the rules that drive people crazy, yeah, and free up business. Yep, absolutely. I tell you what might also be a productive election promise: new basketball stadium here in Rombal. <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. There you go. <laughs> Promise us that. We need a new basketball stadium. Do you? I, I yeah. also thought you needed new netball courts or something. Oh, the yeah. netball courts well, are done. They're done. Yeah, they're, oh, they're done. They're, right. They yeah. were part of the federal um, drought community funding oh, that great. has funded those. Oh, we tick that box. Yeah, we can yeah. tick that box. They're so, done. It's a new basketball stadium. We need, yeah. we need a new well, highball court. The we land don't need is a new there. Stadium. We just need an extension. We just need an extension. We have another court. All so right. we have 450 basketball members that play four nights a week. From about what four thirty till ten o'clock mm. on one court, and there's just not enough yeah, yeah. not enough hours no. at a civilized time yep. to make it work. Yeah, and the thing is, yeah, it'd be great to be running on, on two nights, so you're not relying on volunteers. Well, the committee work their butt off yeah. every night of the week, especially in a small town. That's right, and it's always the same people. Yeah. So is that yeah. is that top of the list for the Swan Rural City priorities for Robinwell? <laughs> Um, it's on the major projects plan. It was applied for in some state funding not that long ago, but of course, the to have the project acquitted wasn't probably long enough. So, because one of the because you go to any community, mm. and from my point of view, I like to see it on the near the top of the list of mm-hmm. the, the respective local government area because yep. there can be noisy agitators on whatever, oh, yes. whatever whatever the issue is. Mm. So I always look to see to make sure the other levels of government are actually, mm. you know, prioritising it. Yes. And the best best way these projects ever happen is usually a, a three-way partnership 
federal, state, and mm-hmm. local. They're the ones that really actually make make a difference. That's it. And local have got some cash sitting there. We just need it topped up. All right. Well, that's that's perfect. Great. Yeah. Excellent. Can I get you to sign that? Or you'll be recording it. I don't need you to. No, you don't need me to sign. <laughs> sign the check, you mean? I'll just, exactly. I'll, sign I'll, a big check. I'll just use Charlie's credit card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, well, he is an Ambo, and Dan gave him a nice fat pay rise when he was first elected, oh, like, which well, could probably answer yeah. a lot of questions as to why he stands with Dan. Well, do you want me to go over that? No, no, I, I can, don't. if you want. No, I'm sick of talking about it, to be honest. Well, mm. well and you know what happened with the, the four years prior to Daniel Andrews with the Liberal government not – Acknowledging us at all, we went from well, being that, the lowest. That, uh, paid. That, that, that's that's not true. I was part of that government, Charlie, and that's just not true. Well, then please. So, but this actually, is what, this will be a great this is, example. This isn't why we, a lot of us went outside because it went four years, and then all and like we weren't even asking for that much. But then when Dan came in, and I know we're not a fan of Dan, but um, when that's <laughs> a good hashtag. Emma, write that down. Not a fan <laughs> of Dan. <laughs> I can go up there if I stand with Dan. Um, uh, he came in and gave us more than what we were probably asking for, which we, um, well, Ambo's in Victoria went from the lowest paid in Australia by a long way to now the highest paid. And but, but, I know that looks that sounds but, selfish, but, yeah, but, but, but having been there when all that happened, having all the ambulances driving around with obscenities on, about, yeah, no, I didn't agree with that about the then premier. Yeah, it's probably not the way to win friends yeah. and influence people either, Charlie. Yeah, mm. I didn't agree with that either. I, well, none of the ambulances up here had that. Mm. Mm. No, they didn't. There was one in Swan Hill that did. Yeah, well, the ones in Rumbaum was there. And that's the thing, isn't it? When you want to make change, there's a way to treat people to get, to, like you said, you know, win friends and influence people and attacking them is probably not the way to go about it. It's true. I, I just, you know, an ambulance is government property. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I was it's, exactly the same. Not, it's, it's not a mobile yeah. billboard. I was exactly the mm. same as you every time they write on Even now with the COVID messages, I still think it's a bit not so cool. It's not a good look. No. no. Mr Walsh, thank you for stopping in Pleasure. today. I've absolutely enjoyed it. Have you? Yeah. Most people do, and most people say that with such surprise in their voice. <laughs> Why would you be surprised that you've actually enjoyed it? Oh, well, I suppose being someone who maybe talks to one of the regional ABC presenters occasionally in the, in the drive time, mm. it's not always as... <laughs> I mean, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Don't be like that, Jane. Oh, no, no. Hey, I talk to the ABC as well, yeah. but I, I, I understand where you're coming from. Because you guys, credit to both of you, there's no biases. We just, we've had a good chat. Yeah. There's no no hidden agendas. Maybe Charlie. But. No, there's definitely no hidden agenda. I'm not, I'm the only one here that's not in politics. Although, just saying. although I, I reckon at the next election. What? No. I haven't got time for that. What? For any, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm not. Oh God, no, 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 Jesus! No, I wouldn't ask no, you to no, bloody Charlie. nominate. No, no, Charlie, I'm just asking you to hand out cards for me. Oh yeah, yeah right, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be a paid-up member oh, of the God, National Party be, soon. I reckon I'd get egged if I was standing at Rumbo here handing out cards for you. Oh. Do you reckon? Oh yeah, that'd be a nice this turncoat. Mate, code. like I said, yeah. Well, who's this turncoat exactly? Yeah. Mr. Walsh, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank drive you. safely back to Swan Hill, won't you? I will. Thank you. See ya. Are you considering commercial development? Fisher Developments can develop your commercial dream. They specialise in commercial tilt slab construction and have a large portfolio of completed builds. Fisher Developments have their own fleet of machinery consisting of excavators to 35 ton graders, water trucks and rollers suitable for most development projects. Fisher Developments are compliant with detailed performance standards, cost management 
compliance requirements and ISO 9001 quality, AS4801 and FSC safety and ISO 14001 environmental management standards. Get full details with a phone call to Craig, but you can start on the website fisherdevelopments.com.au. And we're lucky enough to have the man himself, Alan Fisher, on the phone. How are you, Alan? I'm well, Jade. How are you? How good does that ad sound? G'day, Alan. Oh, wowee. I, I, I feel like ringing them myself. They sound like they almost know what they're doing. <laughs> I learned a lot. I learned a lot. It was uh, all that ice, what is it? ISO stuff? Compliant? Yes. Yeah. All that compliant yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's good. That wouldn't yes, people, well. people in the industry would know yeah. if you're doing a commercial development, they would know what that's about. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. So it makes sense. Yes. Alan, we have uh, an important topic to discuss with you today. Yes. And that is shade sails in the oh, yes, yes. 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 So, and we just want to clear up any confusion because people, to, you know what Chinese whispers are like. You know, yes. People think that council owns the car park. They think that Alan Fisher still owns the car park. They think that Richie's owned the car park. Let's clear it up. Can you give us exactly who owns what and who's responsible for what, etc.? So about one third of the car park is owned by the council and that is the third that is closest to Perrin Street mm-hmm. and we own the next two thirds. So the problem here is if we buy, if, okay, so we pay, say, it's about $5,000 a car park to put a shade sale on it. And I know people will say, well, we don't care, that's your problem, Fisher, <laughs> which is fair enough. You know Robin Bowler well. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not just Robin Bowler, I can promise you. Um, so it, the problem is then, so how do you make sure that um, – People don't just park the cars there all day because the people who would be the people who got to work first, they park the cars under there because they don't want to get into a steaming hot car that night. Totally get it. Mm-hmm. Then the council has to um, not only put up some signs, but then actually start giving people tickets, which means that they're going to have to start p- patrolling it. Mm-hmm. And Robin Vale being Robin Vale, if they just patrol it between the hours of, let's say, 10 and 12 on Monday and Wednesday, everyone in Robin Vale will work that out very quickly. Mm. So the times are going to have to be um, different times all the time, constantly changing, um, and the, the council needs to be prepared to do it, put in the resources and that's what needs to happen. The council also needs to decide whether they want to put some car um, shade sails up on the part of the car park that they own. Mm. So uh, I'm hoping I'm answering all the questions that you were going to ask me. Yes, pretty much. And I can confirm, I actually had a conversation with some council officers yesterday about the um, about the whole scenario when I saw the petition. Yep. I went, I'm sure this is already being scoped by council. And I was it correct. Has. It has been scoped and they're just waiting for some prices on engineering and the shade sails to come back. So, so can you give people a time frame though, Jade? No, I can't. This is council. No, it's local you know government. Like, don't, be, don't be so silly. And that's what the next question will be. Like, yeah. They'll still yeah, get fair enough. The mm. petition will still keep going ahead. Yeah. So what has what happened from a council point of view previously is that it was a project that sat with Robin Vale Improvement Group. And I think there, there was a few things that got lost in translation. So there was a letter of support or something that got written 
I can't give you a time frame though. I'm I'm oh. really sorry. But it will cost a full like Alan said, it's five thousand dollars per car park. You work it out. There's a few car parks. Yeah. And I think I think also if like up the the third that that the council own is covered in really big trees. If it then came to the point, well, we're going to have to cut down those trees. What do you want? Trees or shade sales? I, I kind of prefer trees, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the argument would be that it should be on our, uh, what I'll call it the Fisher side of the car park because mm. that would be the ones used most by customers. Mm. Um, the, the, the council, I, I have tried to, not tried, that's not fair on the council. I've tried, to, we've tried to talk about this three or four times. And each time that we talk about it, it just all gets too hard. Mm. And, and you know, we've basically decided that nothing's happened. Mm. I, I don't think there's been any breakdown as such. It's more, it's got, oh, no, is that what we're going to do next? And it just gets too hard. Mm. It's a big job because everything that council builds or that is on council land or we have anything yep. to do with, if something, yep. if an incident happens, then the yes. liability it w- is a nightmare. So everything has yes. to be completely over-engineered and that yes. in itself is a huge expense. Not saying we don't want shade sales. Obviously yes. we do because, you know, on a 50-degree day, if you park yeah. if yeah. you park in the car park for three minutes, your car's 1,000 degrees by the time you get back into yeah. it. So, for sure. Yeah, but it is a difficult project and it's not – I just don't know whether a petition was, was the right way to go, particularly now <laughs> with contact tracing registers everywhere – I don't know how valid it would be. Look, I, I, I suppose people would say that, you know, we're a bit frustrated. We've spoken about it a number of times and he's pretty much just ignored us. And look, early on, it got very personal and I I threw the toys out of the cot and said no. <laughs> but, but Have you been but contacted I'm, recently, Leo Allen? Like no, I haven't. I, 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 look, I've had, sorry, that's not true, Charlie. I've had a few letters basically saying, as a part of any development, please consider, which is completely reasonable and we will absolutely do that. Mm. And that that was going to lead me to my next question. How are things progressing with the next possible development on the corner? Well, um, the Richies are currently saying that they want to keep everything under the one roof and they don't really want to have a separate liquor. So that's where it's sitting at the minute. I'm trying to encourage them not to. So we're 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 in a bit of a standoff at the minute. Oh, yeah. That seems almost counterproductive. Why That's, wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you want a bigger supermarket? They did want a bigger well, supermarket, didn't they? Yeah, th- yeah, th- they yeah. So you can do two things. You can the, the space without actually I won't go into too much detail. You, the space is not used well, and because the building is sort of like a parallelogram. It's not a great use of space, so we could maybe square it off by taking the car parks out in the lane, but that'll require talking to the council, which is not the end of the world, a boundary realignment, but, you know, that'll be a year. Mm. Mm. So, that, and that's what I'm saying to them, because I, I can see their point. They're sort of saying, well, we'd like everyone under the one roof. We'd like, you know, we, you know if they get busy in the liquor, they can just get someone to come across or the pallet needs to be brought in. I mean, it makes sense, but I think going the other way is going to be far too hard. So I've given you my thoughts and I'm just sitting on my hands at the moment waiting for for them at this stage because I, I think it's much easier and more productive longer term to have a separate liquor. Mm. Yeah, I would have thought so too. I mean, it's that common sense thing that 
you know, yeah, logistically it probably keeping things under one roof I understand, but yep. common sense would say, hey, you've got more supermarket space and if if the bottle shop's separate, then meh, we've got a bigger supermarket. And, and honestly, that, that business stands up on its own. It doesn't need to be supported by the, the grocery or vice versa. Mm. How about just building a pub on that corner then, Alan? Uh, well, yes. <laughs> hey man, aren't council doing something about the pub yeah, down the street? How can the council do <laughs> it? Don't even. I'm not I a, just want to poke the bear. I am, no, don't. I'm not going to be a bear today and I'm not going to be a fish and take your bait. <laughs> I've That's d- my job. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. I've done my mantra and my meditation today, so I'm not going to bite yeah. with your delicious-looking worms. I'm not going there. Well, I think that I think that clears a little bit up. So I guess the thing is now that no one's against putting shade sails up. It's just a matter of oh, logistics, engineering, and working out yeah. the best way to move forward. And if we can, we yeah. will. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not going to be happy if I if I spend I don't know let's say call it twenty car parks, you know it's a hundred grand say, um, and it just ends up being people who work in the main street. Mm, yes, I'm, you know I'm going to be like, well, that was really I should have gone somewhere and had a nice day or done yeah. something else apart yeah. from doing that. Mm. Mm, yeah, I get that. Would there be maybe scope? And this is what I thought. Well, it would be to do that entire car park. You're looking like that'd be a million dollars. I didn't know what the what the figures would actually be. Something be. like that. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it'd probably be a bit less per car park because you'd be doing it a bit more. The other thing you can do, Jade, is you can put solar panels on the car park, Ooh. so you can get a bit of a payback by using the the power in the supermarket. Ooh, it's not a bad idea. Now that's an interesting concept. Yeah. Or even, um, I know there's one going in again soon, but we're getting an electric car charger. Yeah, down Moore Street. Oh. Yeah. No, not down Moore Street. Yeah, it's down Moore Street. Well, no, it's not. Uh, is it? No. Where is it? It's across from the resource centre. I'm sure well, it's at Moore Street. No. Oh, that's good. No. But that's, I mean, that, maybe that would be another thing. So these inventive sort of renewable energy projects, uh, there's yes. fun, like from a council point of view, again, funding around yes. for that kind of stuff. So that might be something to look at. I didn't even think of the solar panel thing. But that's probably not a, a charging sp- a space there, you wouldn't think? No, there could be. No, you'd need a battery. You'd mm. need a bat- the battery technology at the moment is a bit far off to make it any economic sense out of it. Solar, definitely, but the batteries are still a bit expensive. Yeah, right. Okay. We'll have to get on to Mr. Musk about that. Mm. Yes. Well, he, I don't know if you saw the stuff that he did last week, but Battery Day it was just incredible. Well, I do follow him quite a bit on Twitter. He's a very, very mm-hmm. clever man. Very yes, clever. Yeah, a bit man. unusual. Yeah. Oh, very. Uh, a bit strange, but that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We can, we can embrace that. Yeah, exactly. People that <laughs> exactly. are. Yeah. People that are innovators and, and yeah. thinking outside of the boxes are the ones that change the world are usually a little bit yes. not. Mm. Kanye West. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in the mid, come on. I'm dead. That's it. I'm done. I'm dropping the mic and I'm walking out. It's too late in the day. <laughs> it is. All right. Well, thanks for um, clearing that up for us, Alan. Um, yep. We really appreciate your time and I apologise no, for ringing you and going, hey, guess what? Yeah, we're going to ring you in half an hour and come on the podcast and let's talk about <laughs> this. But it's something, that's why we're here. It's topical. People are talking about it. People are seeing yeah. it. Um, so I thought, let's go. I don't like sentences that start with the word apparently. So I go straight to the source. Yeah. I suppose that's the old media 
person in me. So thanks yeah. very much. We really appreciate no, it. Thank and you guys. Um, thanks for supporting the podcast as still you do. A, no, my pleasure. Still in Melbourne, Alan? I am, mate. I'm, I'm, a, look, I'm taking a bit. Well, I'm I'm just going to come to Mildura and Robin Vale actually next week because I've enough's enough. <laughs> I totally agree. But you're going to quarantine for 14 days. I don't have to <laughs> because I've got a genuine reason for oh, being for work, there. yeah. For work. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and honestly, I'm following all the protocols. I'm not and – chance, and the chance of actually running into someone who's got it are that low. Like you do the numbers. There's, what, 5 million people live here. Hmm. There's no one in, in well, my how many council. Active, how many active cases are there now at the moment? I think it's 286. Hmm. And how many in the regions, Charlie? None. Zero. Exactly. Yeah, zero. Mm. I'm, I'm aware of that. Yeah, Charlie stands with Dan while the rest of us are here pulling our hair out. I wouldn't. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm not standing with Charlie or Dan at the moment, I have to say. <laughs> and Alan's opinion is one that I respect far more than yours, Charlie. I'm really sorry. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, I do like to get a rise out of Jade, so that's why I do say it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to end up with a pot plant or something being thrown at him today before this all ends. Well, while you're in Robinvale, please make sure you give us a ring and call in and see us. I will do that, Jay. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of your time in uh, okay. in Melbourne and we'll see you in sunny northwest Victoria good. soon. Yes. Look, look forward to it, guys. Awesome. Thanks, thanks, thanks Alan. See ya. When you're running a small business, there's nothing small about it at all. And right now, you've probably got lots on your mind. But you don't have to worry about your Ford because your regional Ford dealer is still open and ready to help. With strict health and safety measures in place, whether you need a new car, parts or service. So to keep your business moving, visit ford.com.au. Charlie, it's the second day of October by the time this comes out. It will be anyway. Oh, well, that's a pity because yesterday uh, was International Coffee Day. Oh, how many coffees did you have? Uh, well, not that many. Probably three. Three's a lot. No, it was one. At- For espresso, that's a, I think that's a lot. No, no they were normal coffees. No, as in instant coffees? Uh, Ew. <laughs> God. God, I wish I had a camera rolling on you then. I'm oh, sorry. You don't even know who I am. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I don't know who you are. Uh, I, I apologise. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is the 1st of October. Mm. Well, sorry, the 2nd when this comes out. Mm. And... Exciting news. Get excited. I'm excited. It's Shocktober. (laughs) So, I know what you're asking. What is Shocktober? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's an initiative that AV are running. Mm. And it's all to do with, we've talked about Restart Your Heart on here. Yes, we have. Yep. Uh, So, there's that program where uh, we're trying to get as many people in the community uh, to to well to be confident to mm. perform CPR and know the process, uh, and obviously we talk about call push shock. So that's obviously call triple O. Uh, call what? What was the second one? Push shock. Push. So call triple O. Yep. <laughs> and the illustrations on this oh, pamphlet awesome. are really hilarious. Uh, Standing pu- over a body calling. Yep. Push uh, is in start doing compressions. Uh, yep. Okay. Now I know this is where people start to think. Oh, I'm not going to do CPR. You don't have to give uh, the mouth the, to mouth. Well, yes. Mm. You don't have to put a breath into somebody. Yep. Uh, because one, these COVID, COVID times yep. starters. Mm. Uh, and two, even if it wasn't COVID times, you don't know where 
Well, obviously, if it's someone you know, probably, mm. you know, if you feel free, like, feel free to do it. If it was my husband, I'd probably do it. You'd probably do it. Mm. But uh, touch wood. At the end of the day, um, the push, as in the compressions, mm. is what we need. Mm. So uh, we want you to start compressions. And then, obviously, if there is a defib around, uh, obviously, shock. Shock. Yep. And there's a lot of defibs around Robinvale now, isn't there? Mm. And mm. so this is all coincides with the Good Sam project. So I think we had Nathan on here did. a while ago talking mm-hmm. about Good Sam. Yep. Uh, and just to recap, it's an app uh, now that's open to anyone who's well willing. You're on it. I'm on it. Yep. Uh, who's willing to perform CPR? Mm. And just for the record, at the moment, because uh, it's COVID times. Um, the only people that will get alerted, so JG won't get alerted, mm-hmm. uh, on duty – oh, sorry, off-duty um, operational Are you stuff. getting alerted right now? No. <laughs> I'm getting Snapchats. So, uh, Shocktober, getting back to Shocktober, what it is all about is uh, obviously highlighting the restart your heart and the call push shock mm. and the good Sam thing. Mm. But uh, what is available is for your local group or, I don't know, community organisation mm. – uh, is a 15-minute um, virtual call-in. So if you have a virtual meeting, say, uh, for instance... The Reba one on Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Reba AGM. from Reba, if you have a call, we, we can call in and we can do something like that. Mm. Uh, and get back to me because I'll... Well, Ben's the chair, so get on to Ben. Right. Uh, say we've got a rest meeting next week. Yep. Even any group like that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, your sporting clubs... Uh, and what it is, is uh, it's a 15-minute virtual kind of refresher, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's a little video we watch. We give you a few funky stats about uh, how um, compressions yeah. that start straight away yep. um, give you a fairly good chance of uh, well, walking out of hospital life. And yeah, that's okay. what we go with. Because mm. there is, you know, there's the stats of 75% uh, of cardiac arrests mm. uh, in the home. So this is why, again... And this is why community groups. So it's not just for people mm. like in the community. Mm. Uh, like if you're down the street, it's what if happens if your granddad, you know, falls yeah. over or something yep. when you're home. Yep. So it'd be good if younger kids could get on board as well. Yeah. Um, so it was a seventy-two percent uh, survival rate. <laughs> they're your kids. Yeah. They're I feel at like the door. they're not surviving. Yeah. Out there. No, me neither. It's yeah. late in the day, and I we need to take a moment. But that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, seventy-two percent. Uh, chance of survival when bystanders act and call triple O and start compressions. Well, that's a much better rate. Yeah. and But I, I often wonder, and I've never been in this situation, I do, I am trained in first aid and CPR, never had to use it, thankfully. But I'm wondering if it becomes, and for you it would be different because it's your job, but I wonder if it's instinct to start CPR straight away or whether you get so frazzled with yeah, everything that's going and completely lose it. Mm. But on the upside... The thing about this is the, the whole call thing, mm. the call push shock, is mm. call triple O quickly because uh, the call ta- takers are really, really good. Uh, they'll talk you through it. Yeah. I don't know if anyone watches um, any of the ambulances. Yeah, things. we do. You don't, though. Yeah, I do every now and then. Mm. But uh, you'll see that they're still on the phone, and this happens to us a lot of the times when we get to a job. Yeah, still on the phone, talking yeah, the, you through it. Yeah, talking you through it, especially if they think you're a little bit you know, yeah. upset or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And they're also calm and collected because it's their job to be. Oh, I mistakenly hit the applause. Yeah. Well, they need it. But applause. they, well, they do need applause. Yes. Yeah. Now the kids are in here, so we're going to wrap up very quickly. <laughs> Shocktober. Where do we find out more about it? Uh, well, you can go to obviously the AV website. Yeah. And find out about it. But um, if you want something delivered, mm. obviously probably the easiest way is contact me. Yep. And I can put you on. Can we put all of your details on the website? Yeah, it's charles.elvanese at ambulance.vic.com. Oh, that one. So not your mobile number and (laughs) things plastered everywhere? Oh, you can put my number on. Most people have my number anyway. (laughs) That's true. All right. These kids need to be fed, watered. Mm. Mm. Thanks very much. Did you enjoy your chat with Walshie today? Yeah, I learned heaps. I feel like you did. I probably won't be signing up (laughs) as a paid member. Well, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. How good are strawberries? He doesn't want it. He's got... Wow. He's really protective of their olive grove strawberries. Have you seen them? Yes. Have you had them? Uh, yes, I buy them regularly. Oh, Kim gave me those today, so they're delicious. And he's very protective of his berries. Fair enough. Righto, Charlie. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. Have later. yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. Are you going back to Mildura? didn't even talk about Luke. And the Saturday thing? Oh, we'll do that. Oh, when? Now. Run. Saturday morning, (laughs) 9 o'clock. Get down there. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Vale Podcast, driven by Pioneer Ford, Robin Vale. It's worth the drive. Remember to support our sponsors and shop local. Subscribe at thevalepodcast.com.au.